0: Hi, it's Wes Johnson. And John St. John. And we're here for GGR Pirate Radio. Yeah, because they've got balls of steel. Yes, and we may take those from you when we're done.
1: Because we're live right now. Um, I was going to restart it because then it, people can tune in. And immediately, there we go. A little bit of Offspring for everybody to enjoy on this Friday evening. Yeah. I've been on, like, a serious offspring kick just because I did the um, the Stop Me If You Heard This about them. And there was just so many good songs of theirs that I forgot about. And,
2: like... Yeah, this was the one I was looking forward to. I thought you were gonna to get to this one and then it was like, oh, yeah. oh, well, we're done, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Yeah.
1: Um
3: well like and then nothing else happened.
1: Yeah, Bye. Yeah. Well you just gotta think though too, like there's only there's only so much of it that I can fit in, you know? And like yeah. and I like I like I love this song and I love this album in particular. But like I just needed to have a story with it and like when you have a dude who was who a, a, mo- a molecular biologist who worked on a research paper that talked about how the RNA of the HIV genome works, like, created his own hot sauce is a licensed pilot, like, it's just like, what else can you, like, yeah, like, hey, there was this one song that he said, it was called Hit That, let's talk about that, like, it just, it didn't really fit with the flow, so, like... <laughs> Yeah, and there were songs of theirs too that I wanted to play. Like I even had like a, a kind of a subplot going too, because one of their um, more recent albums, um, which is duh, 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 it is I believe it is, and of course I didn't put in this playlist like an idiot. Oh yeah, no I did. Days go days go by. So days go by is one of their most recent albums, and they have a song on there that's so ridiculously poppy. You're just like, what the hell is this? This isn't the Offspring. It sounds like it's a Katy Perry song, right? And when it came out, a lot of Offspring fans were like, what the fuck is this? Like, you guys have completely <laughs> sold out. You've just, like, you, you've completely gone away from everything that you've ever done. You know what? Hey, this is our podcast. I'll play the song. You guys can hear it, and then you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And then I'll play the song that is essentially them saying at the end of the album, haha, F all of you. It was just a joke. So, yeah. <laughs> the song is called Cruising California Bumping in My Trunk. This is them? I've heard this before. Yeah, this is them.
2: Oh Oh my god. Oh
3: already.
1: You see what I'm talking about though? Where it's just like,
3: this is the offspring? No. (laughs) Like that first line. That first line of, like, did he accidentally play the Black Eyed Peas just for a second right. there? Because that's exactly what it sounds <laughs>
1: <laughs> So, the funny thing about it is, is, like, if you didn't know it was The Offspring and you hadn't heard any of the other songs, you would hear this and you would kind of, like, bop your head. You'd be like, this isn't bad. This is catchy. Right? But, they're like, you, you go into their legacy of being one of the most badass Southern Californian punk rock bands of all time. And you're just like, what the fuck happened to them, Right? Right. So you're hearing this and you're just like, all right, this is interesting. And then they do this song. Now you have to listen because it's really subtle in the beginning. But they're doing that like thing from the Warriors where they're clinking the bottles together with the fingers.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. And this is, it's all about like, so they're cruising in California, having a good time. Everything's great. But now they're going through a rough part of Orange County. And, like, half the song's in Spanish. So it's basically like, hey, you turned down the wrong street, essay, and you're just like, oh, shit. And, like, the whole album tells tells a story. And then I'll let it play for a little bit. The album's really, really good. It's, it's really underrated. But then the last song of the album is called Slim Pickens Does the Right Thing, and he rides the bomb to hell. That's the, name, that's the title of the song. Um, if, if you know who Slim Pickens is, he's the dude in, um, Dr. Strangelove, the one that like rides the nuclear bomb off the plane with his cowboy hat going, "Yeehaw!" that's Slim Pickens. And what they're saying is, cause yeah, we're pouring gasoline to so dance around the fire that we once believed in. It's all them saying like, Hey, you thought we gave up everything that we were. You thought we burned all of it just for this stupid song that everybody's going to lose their shit about? Ha ha ha, joke's on you. Yeah. Dance, fucker, dance, let the motherfucker burn. They're
3: always doing fun stuff like
1: that. Yeah. Like, it's basically them saying, like, hey, it was fun. Chill out. Let it go. But not only that, we knew exactly what we were doing. So if we were going to destroy it, so what? Burn everything down. Like, let it burn. Who cares? Like, it's... Yeah, this album's really, really good. If you guys get a chance, to check it out. It's called Days Go By. Um, In fact, let me share the playlist. If you go to Spotify.com, I have a playlist. It's called Offspring, and it's S-M-I-Y-H-T-O, which is Stop Me If You've Heard This One. Um, But check it out. It's a a really fun playlist, and everybody can listen to it. It's just all the songs that basically were either on the uh, podcast that I did or... I ran out of space and I didn't have enough uh, time to play all of them so basically like, extended cuts so See,
3: this reminds me of like on the album Splinter yeah the very last song is just completely different and
2: oh uh, when you oh, go to prison
3: uh, When yeah. you're in, yeah when you're when in you prison
2: play.
3: yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like you just listen to this whole like punk rock album and then it's just a completely different genre about a completely different topic yeah <laughs>
1: They they really get I me too. Rather cause...
3: unsavory topic.
1: <laughs> they really get me a lot of times too because they they have songs that like, they'll they'll do these really powerful punk rock songs and then they'll have songs like um, like all I have left is you, which is also off days go by. It's almost like a ballad, and the same thing with uh, off of rise and fall. Um, they they do one rise and fall, um. Raging and Grace is what the album's called. They have another song called Fix You, which it's not a cover of the Coldplay song, but it's another ballad, and you're just like, these guys do really good shit, and it's... I can't think of a bad album that they've done. They managed to put a good album together every single time that they put something together. And then they make an awesome hot
3: sauce. That's always the hallmark of a true musician. Like, to me, there's two hallmarks of true musicians. One, are they equally talented musically live as they are on their album yes. not saying that all live shows have to be about the musicality but like are they capable of playing the songs to the same quality right. uh, or is their live shows just all about energy and being crazy um, and then two can they within their sound vary up the style of song so you can still say you can still pick it out with your eyes closed oh that's an offspring song but they're not like one-to-one. Like I love ACDC. I love them to death, but every single one of their songs is the same. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? There's no yeah. like variability within, within their own sound. Um, if you get yeah. a band that can do both of those, I think, you know, that's, that's the true hallmark of a, a killer band.
1: Yeah. And like, it's, it's one of those things where like, for whatever reason, I, I never, whenever we talk about bands, I never put them on like my top list. But like after doing that, after doing that episode, dude, I was like, maybe I should reconsider that because I just started going through and I was like, damn, I like this song. I like this song. I like this song. And then I started listening to Days Go By one more time after remembering all that backlash that they caught and then listening to it and then reading somebody else's analysis of it. That was basically like saying, you guys thought they did all of this just to sell records? No, listen, like listen to this last track. They're basically saying all of this was a goof. We are who we are. And even if we weren't, who cares? like just have fun enjoy it it's music it's supposed to be fun so it's it's good stuff It's good stuff man um so let's get started guys we're about eight minutes in now um we are going to be talking about the geek sheets because we didn't get a chance to do it last week um because steve like the uh consummate yeah. professional that he is uh couldn't join us because he got promoted
3: at his job yeah <laughs> sure did good job man I'm the I'm the boss now. First step, you fight the biggest guy in the yard. <laughs> right? That's how it goes. No, am I mixing things up? I gotta stop listening to when you're in prison.
1: <laughs> I just it makes me think of that scene. It makes me think of that scene from uh, Office Space. When they're like, white-collar prison isn't that bad, right? When they're talking to the lawyer, and their lawyer's like, oh, white-collar prison is no joke. He's like, the key is, is find the biggest guy there. He's like, you either got to decide. Either beat somebody up the first day, or you're going to become somebody's bitch. you got to make your decision right there.
3: <laughs> and then later on, when, they, when, they, when he's having the dream about it, and he's like, I sentence you to federal pound me in the ass prison. <laughs> like, that's what he called it in
1: his dream, the judge. <laughs> the judge calls it federal pound me in the ass prison. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Unreal. Without further ado, we'll go ahead and uh, kick this bad boy off tonight on GGR Pirate Radio. We are joined by Steve Monick, my co-host for the Pirate Radio Adventure. We've got Mister MC Brooks, who is joining uh, Steve, us as well. Is a new part. Yeah, it's okay, Steve. Don't worry about it. This is just the <laughs> cold open. You can, as long as you get it right in the second part, man. We're good. Um, we've got. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You're good, man. Uh, We've got MC Brooks, who's going to be joining us live from Dirty, Frightening, Baltimore uh, for Baltimore (laughs) Comic-Con review. Uh, We're also going to be joined by Ulysses E. Campbell here in just a little bit. Uh, Ulysses did have to run a quick errand, but he will be back, uh, and he will be joining us very, very shortly. So without further ado, uh, Offspring, you've had your time. Uh, Let's go ahead and kick off GGR Pirate Radio starting right now
0: you're listening to ggr pirate radio don't be a juice bag
2: this is called pirate radio
3: be like oh these are stupid guns guns uh. are for jerks <laughs> run around this city like it's your damn
0: shooting gallery yeah what do you, you do, do? what do you do Jack act like it's a playground beat up the bullies with your fists Throw him in jail, everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, you are back on the streets doing the yeah, same thing. So you just put him in the morgue. Do,
2: do. do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy?
0: The Great Parrot is here for you. Son. Pain heals. Ticks, dig scars. Glory. Last forever. <laughs> If you will not turn to the dark side, then perhaps she will. Oh, what's in the Kill
2: Dylan? You son of a This is called Pirate Radio.
3: Ladies
1: and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Great Geek Refuge. My name is Mike Lunsford, and this is our podcast, GGR Pirate Radio. I am joined by my co-host. His name is Steve Monick.
3: Really? 0 for 2, Steve? Steve, are you there? (laughs) No, I'm Uh, not. Wait, hold on, me? Yes, I'm here. Of course I'm here. (laughs) nice well played um also joining us this
1: evening for ggr pirate radio we have got the wonderfully talented mr mc brooks hello hello uh and we are going to be talking about the geek sheets tonight guys what is the geek sheets well it's our geeky nerdy news of the week that we talk about in fact the geek sheets guys big news big news the geek sheets has its own podcast stream now which you can find if you go to iTunes, if you go to the Google Play Music Store. doesn't matter where you go. You can find it. All you have to type in is the Geek Sheets, and it's right there. And you guys, if you only like listening to the Geeky News, cool. we got a podcast for you. Uh, If you like listening to all the other stuff, subscribe to that too. Or even if you don't listen to any of them, just subscribe because either way, it makes us look good, and we appreciate that. That's all I'm asking for. But if you listen, you'll probably enjoy it because we talk about nerdy news so let's jump right in we will be joined very shortly the nerdiest news ever we will be joined soon by mr ulysses e campbell a fantastic forum of wera fame all of those wonderful things but Steve, are you ready to kick the geek sheets off
3: absolutely
0: it's time for the geek sheets here's the big news this week in the geeky nerdy
3: world Every freaking week, one of these weeks, I'm going to remember that we have (laughs) that little sick teaser that it's coming over the wire. One of these freaking weeks, Mike. It's all good, man. One day. What you got for me on the geek sheets? Yeah, so the first one we're going to run through that was from two weeks ago was all about some characters in various uh, nerdy franchises that are coming up. Three of which I think people have heard of Star Trek, DC, and Marvel.
1: Yeah. So, w- which
3: one of those three, you guys, would you vote for? Do you want to talk about first? Just the franchise, and we'll get into some of the topics.
1: Well, we've got Star Trek music playing in the background right now. So, I, I say
3: start with Star Trek. Okay. So, let's talk about Dwight Schrute. Uh, Rain Wilson is, is going to be in the second season of Star Trek Discovery. And that's not a huge surprise to anyone who's seen the first season of Discovery. Or keeps up with, you know, casting and, you know, episode lists and all that good stuff for, for upcoming media. But what was a little more interesting was he dropped a tweet not too long ago that his character, Harry Mudd, is is going to be coming up again. And people started speculating, well, what could that be? And as a kind of, I mean, I, it's, sometimes it sometimes can be a dirty word, but like as filler, CBS yeah. All Access is planning on making another little um, series called Star Trek Short Treks, and they're just one-off anthology series episodes about various characters, and each episode is around a character. Um, And so people are speculating that Rain Wilson's um, Mud might get his own episode of of the Star Trek shorts. Um, Big name actor, fun, interesting character. What's not to love? So I, that was kind of the news there. Who would be against this, though?
1: That's my question. Is like, who, What's that? Who would be against this? Because you mentioned, too, that it, like some people have already been like, oh, I don't like the idea of this, like oversaturation. Who's against more Star Trek?
2: I don't know.
3: Right? I, yeah. I, get, I mean, I guess there's some people that get real protective over the specific thing that they like. Yes. So, for example, like the biggest example I, I can think recently is the people who are just – Die-hard original star wars trilogy fans oh yeah and so when the prequels came out or then the current sequel trilogy like any derivation off of that is just in their eyes garbage no matter what it actually ends up being um so you can't really point out legitimate flaws and then give it praise for its legitimate successes um right. so there's probably a lot of people that are hey i only like this particular flavor of star trek and discovery is quite different um the it things is. that are on all access and and what these short treks are going to be could be very different. And so I think the kind of people that are just like, "Look, I'm happy in my little bubble." And they don't realize it's like, "No, no, dude, it's a buffet." And you yeah, can right. load your plate up with as much of it as you want or your one thing. That's up to you how you eat off the buffet here, but having more options is never a bad thing whether you enjoy it or not.
1: I wanted to exactly. read it. I wanted to read a a post from A GGR contributor, uh, Mr. James Rambo, that he put up that nails what you just said on the head. Uh, And it's talking about Star Wars fans. So imagine, like, a Star Wars fan saying this to you, right? George Lucas sucks, and the prequels are horrible. I can't believe he sold it to Disney. Fuck him. I hate The Force Awakens. It's just like the original. I hate The Last Jedi. It's too different than the originals. Boycott Solo, the one white male lead since Kennedy started uh, her social justice warrior agenda. Rebels sucks. Bring back Clone Wars. But I don't want to pay for it. I'm going to steal it instead. Yes, long live the franchise. And then, like, the title of the post is No One Hates Star Wars More Than the Star Wars Fans. <laughs> 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 and, like... That's so—it's so true. But not only is it true, yeah. that's exactly how Star Trek fans are, too. Like, I—because I'm a nerd, because I'm a geek, because we run a website called the Great Geek Refuge, right. I'm, I'm in all these different, like, Star Wars and Star Trek groups on Facebook, right? And there's one about Star Trek Discovery specifically. And, like, I see so many people in there who are just like, why couldn't they have just made it look like the original? Why couldn't they have stayed to canon? Why couldn't they have made the ships look like this? Why couldn't they have done this? Why couldn't they have done that? And I'm like, why are you in a group about Star Trek Discovery just to talk shit about Star Trek Discovery? Like, you're just, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your effort. Like, good Lord, just just let let somebody have some fun. And, like... I'm going to go off on a diatribe, and then uh, Marcus, right. I want to hear your take on this for just a second. But sure. like, I have a I have a person that's a really good friend of mine, and I'm not going to name drop their name because it's I'm just not going to do that. But Is I, it me, yes, it's you. Um, I have a really good friend who we got into it about Star Wars because they are a huge Star Wars fan. I would say as much as me or you, Steve, and they are not a big fan of the new movies. And they, and they gave a, a valid reason to begin with. Their valid reason was, I don't understand why they had to rehash everything for a subsequent trilogy when they already had it with the EU, when they could have used the Thrawn trilogy. And I was like, that's a solid point. I, I, t- I tended to agree. I was like, you know, I would have enjoyed seeing a Thrawn movie. I, I, I really would have liked to seen him as the main villain for all three of those. That would have been kind of cool. And like seeing Luke start building a Jedi Academy. But it didn't happen, you know, and 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 that's fine. But in this conversation, it all started because I posted a video of this anime Star Wars A New Hope um, trailer that this dude made, and it's it's really really well done. Uh, Steve, did you end up watching it?
3: Yeah, yeah, I did. I thought yeah. it was beautiful.
1: Yeah, Marcus, did you get a chance to see the um, the Star Wars New Hope uh, anime trailer that that guy made that I put up on the uh, on the fan page? Uh, no, I've I've not been on Facebook today. Okay, all right. Well, I'll make sure you, you check it out later. But, like, I'll, I'll, yeah. at any point, it's, it's really, really good. I really enjoyed it, and I shared it with this particular person, and all they did was, well, Disney's going to ruin it. Disney will block them, and they'll sue them, and they'll make them take it down. I'm like, okay, first off, chill. Secondly, Disney's actually been pretty cool with fan products so far. They were okay with that Darth Maul trailer, or trailer that that guy did. They actually made it canon. And... This person just proceeded to go off about how, oh, nothing's the same, and it's never going to be good, and it's never going to be great, and they're always just going to be more focused on what's going to make money. And I'm like, you know that movies are meant to make money, right? That's the whole thing. That's why it's an industry. And, like, to think that somebody is so tied up in their own individuality, like, that that's how they identify themselves. Their own identity is so associated with this thing, whether it's Star Trek or Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or Marvel comic books or music or TV or whatever it is, that when something changes, they get so defensive of it and they're just unwilling to let anybody else try to do something creative, let anybody else try to see it in a different perspective. But that's what makes art wonderful. Is there so many interpretations, there's so many different ways for people to see it. There's new ideas and new concepts and things that we never would have thought of had we not seen it. And I'll give you a great example of one. The book is Fight Club by Chuck Palahniuk, one of my favorite writers. Were this book written by Alan Moore and they decided to do a movie and David Fincher, who was the director of Fight Club, decided that he was going to take the movie in a different direction than the actual ending of Fight Club. Alan Moore, who is notorious for doing this, would have lost his mind. He would have gotten mad. He would have sulked. He would have done interviews about how horrible the industry is and how they ruin everything. Basically, in the end of the book Fight Club, instead of Tyler Durden and Marla having this, like, kind of moment where after he defeats his alter ego, they kind of hold hands. And it's kind of a love story. Instead of that, basically, Tyler Durden just goes off on this, like, rage rampage and, like, fights everybody in Fight Club. He's like, I want every—it was like a battle royale. And basically, he's so beaten and bloodied and, like, delirious at the end, he's talking to a psychologist. And the psychologist is explaining to him, like, trying to figure out why would you do all of these things? Why would you try to destroy all all these things? But he's so messed up because he's been beaten and bloodied and concussed so many times, he thinks that he's talking to God. And— it's it was I mean it's a good book to read it's a great ending but it's completely different and when Fincher pitched this to him Polonica was like holy crap that's an amazing idea the guy who created the thing was like yeah cool let's do something different let's try a different perspective instead of being so stuck in his ways it's like no this is the way it has to be like nothing good has ever come from being unyielding ever let's just state that right now up front yep. I've I've had my soapbox moment I'm done. <laughs> I want you guys to to talk a little bit about this, about what, what we're seeing with um, with Star Trek. Like, I, I, personally, I'm I'm excited. I love the idea of, of having little bitty stories where we learn more about these characters. I think it can only make it for a more robust universe.
2: I feel uh, the thing with me, and you know, I'm not I'm not like I'm not as big a Star Trek fan as you guys are. But just if, if I take a step back and just take it like with any franchise that I'm a fan of, like, why would you not want to expand that universe? and learn more about the characters that exist within that universe. Like, why not? It's like, if I, like if I take the Arrowverse, for example, like, I mean, I, obviously, I was, I was late to that. Like, I was late to that, unlike, you know, everyone else. But uh, even before I started watching Legends of Tomorrow, like, there were characters that popped up on Arrow and Flash. And I was like, yo, these guys are cool. I wish they got more screen time. And then, lo and behold, Legends of Tomorrow, Legends of Tomorrow was created and i got my wish and i got i got to see more of these characters that were interesting to me that didn't get you know a ton of screen time on on their original shows so i don't see where i don't see why you know expanding that universe and you know letting these characters get you know uh, one-off one-offs where you can learn more about them and what they're doing when they're you know not on screen i mean it, it only helps the franchise overall you know
1: yeah, I mean, Steve, what, what's your take on this? I mean, do you think this is a good idea? Do you think we're going to run into oversaturation?
2: I think it all
3: depends on the perspective that you're coming at it with. So, like, if your argument is like, look, they keep adding all this stuff, and the problem that I have with it is I'm afraid that it's going to dilute the quality. They're, they're stretching themselves too far, and it's the same, say, like creative team or something like that. And it's like, look, how can you ask this creative team to do five shows altogether and they're just not gonna have time to, to really get into the lore because as a tv show or movie franchise goes on um and we saw this was one of my favorite hey, shows lost like you know as it goes on any tv series it you know starts off interesting usually crescendos up in seasons two or three and then straggles as it goes on And so if you're saying, like, look, there's too much, they need to slow it down because you're afraid of losing quality, that's a legitimate argument. I I could get behind that. There's precedent for that. But if you're just saying, like, I like my thing and you're just slamming your fist because it's something different than your thing, that's not a legitimate argument because not everything in the world is made for you. It's made for everyone. And you like what you like and don't like what you don't like. And you can have discussions about what's better or worse or whatever but i think the biggest problem is that people and and you guys both kind of brought it up is they inject themselves into the equation far too much and you need to look at the piece for what it is and, and let the piece speak for itself and then you react to it not put yourself in the piece and then make everyone react to the way you're seeing it
1: yeah i think yeah. that i, I think and
2: we need to, we need to give these things a chance too you know i i think with you know, the internet being the internet, that's that's something that has, you know, managed to pop up over the years, where even before we get to see what this thing is, we hear the idea of what it is, and then the internet just wants to crap all over it before we've even given it a shot.
3: Yeah, I, 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 I could not. Yeah, I mean, people, people have, you know, bootleg copies of whatever weeks before it comes out. It's already been reviewed and spoiled to death. And if you happen to look at the internet the wrong time you just see people exploding over hatred of something that hasn't even existed yet yeah, um yeah. i would be very interested someday i don't know if today's the day to do it but have a very interesting conversation about how the rotten tomatoes model of things has changed how we view what things are upcoming because it's like hey let's taste take the pulse of the public before the thing even is out for the public
1: well, yeah, I can give you a perfect. I, it, I can give you a perfect example of how that started. Is um, back when Samuel L. Jackson was working on Snakes on a Plane. Um, on IMDb, they didn't have an actual title for the movie yet, but the working title for the movie was Snakes on a Plane. And because the internet, you know, has the mantra of you know for the L- for the Lols, you know, they'll do whatever they can. They like made this petition of, oh my god, you have to make this the title of the movie. So everybody went and saw the movie. It made pretty good money at the box office. But really, does anybody own this on Blu-ray? Does anybody own this on DVD? Does anybody talk about this movie anymore? No. It was it was fast food media. It was throwaway garbage. It was something just to satiate you for a moment. And then you're right past, on you're, you're on to the next thing. You know, memes of cats doing stupid things. Like it's, we we've gotten to this point where the internet is now dictating a lot. The internet fired James Gunn, you know, yep. like look at the voice actor who, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but the voice actor who does the voice for princess Leia and the new star Wars resistance, uh, TV show that they're doing, um, most likely is going to get fired because she did a vocal imitation of Dr. Ford, uh, from the Kavanaugh, um, hearings yesterday. Now, She doesn't say anything insulting about Dr. Ford. She literally just makes fun of her voice and imitates it very well because that's what she is. She's a voice actor. But it was very tone deaf. It was not well thought out. So it caught a lot of backlash. And she immediately saw this. She took the post down and she apologized like a million times. But like the Internet crucified her because of something that essentially was just a dumb idea. And she probably thought was funny at the time and probably somebody else thought it was funny, too. You're like they were like, oh, my God, you sound exactly like her. That's her fucking job is to sound like people
3: and like take a person's voice you've heard and then do that again. But be a different person to that person. Yeah.
1: She literally made fun of the woman's voice. And people were just like, "That's so rude, and that's so inappropriate, and it's so wrong." No, it's tone deaf. Okay, you don't do it because of what she was talking about. That's why you don't do it. Not because you shouldn't make fun of her. Anybody can be made fun of. That's what's great about our country. That's why we have First Amendment rights, freedom of speech. You know, so you can say whatever you want about whoever you want, but at the same time, too, maybe you shouldn't. You know, like maybe you should have just kept that to yourself.
2: place. time in place. Yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Um, we all have freedom of speech, not freedom of consequences. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I think that this really ties in well with the second topic, too, of the internet overreacting to things. And the second topic on the Geek Sheets, and sorry to steal your thunder here, Steve, but um, it really ties in with the reaction that we've gotten from Joaquin Phoenix's most recent project he's working on. Steve, what is that? There's there's a little movie, maybe it's a character we've heard of. What's his name again?
3: Um. Well, we don't know his real name, but I think we know him as the Joker. And this is part of that very confusing DCEU, not DCEU, what does it belong to stuff that, that Warner Brothers is doing with all these DC properties. This is one that Todd Phillips is developing and it's a standalone movie so completely separate from jared leto his joker with suicide squad completely separate from any other joker properties they were considering or whatever and it's set in the 80s and i think uh, from my understanding is a good bit of it is pre it's like a joker origin essentially Uh, and it's a lot of it's pre him with the the white makeup and the crazy joker and it's kind of looking at like the creep that was already there. And then this accident just kind of brought it to the surface. Uh, So it's going to be kind of like psychological and stuff. And I don't think a lot of people are reacting well to it. Although some of the people I've seen, you know, they had do have some positive things to say just about like the idea and the tone of the film. Um, But already as soon as like the uh, first picture of him came up with the Joker's white makeup on people instantly started Photoshopping it with the purple suit, the more classic-looking Joker. So, you know, there, there's a lot of people that just, they know their thing, and they want their thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah. again, too, the, though, uh, to cr- lay credence to what Marcus was saying, we're not even giving these things a chance. You know, like, we're, we're seeing him in makeup, and we don't even know if that's the final Joker makeup, because I'll give you another example of, of something, and the internet didn't react to really well to this either. But when Heath Ledger got announced as the Joker, um mm-hmm. not a not a good response. But then not only that the first picture on set of him as the Joker was him wearing that mask where it was like the it was an it was an homage to the, the to the Cesar Romero Joker from the Batman series with Adam West. Um and they were like, "Oh, I don't like his Joker Matt. I don't like this. I don't like this at all." And like out of context, we don't know exactly what this is.
2: Exactly.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I think like some of the, the positives that they've been talking about, like the idea, the tone, you know, it's certainly a realm that we've never seen before where it's a villain. Like we've seen a few villain centered movies, um, but we've never really seen one where the villain is the like the protagonist of the film, like the, the version, like the individual that we're following the whole time, but isn't really like a good guy. Like a lot of the times when they do these villain-centered ones, it's like, well, you know, they kind of had to do bad things. They're really a good person, but they just – they had to do this stuff and they started turning or whatever. They just lost themselves or whatever. And from what we've heard so far, it might end up being that, but it's like he's not really that great of a guy the whole time. And that's very interesting perspective. It's something different and new within a realm that we all already know. Why aren't we talking about that? Why are we talking about the way the Joker makeup looks?
1: Yeah, it's it, it every it's a knee jerk reaction all the time and everybody wants to be contrarian. Everybody wants to be it, it all goes back to like and we've talked about this a million times. People love for some reason, they love anger and negativity. And I'm not sure why that is. But, like, anytime there's a hot take that you can have or anytime you can be like, I hate it or I don't like it or I think it's stupid, everybody wants to be on that bandwagon. And I I wish I could find this. We might have to see if we can get a psychologist on JGR Pirate Radio because I would love to nitpick that and figure out why people love being negative so
3: much. I don't know. I I think it's because it's easy. Like, it's a lot easier. It takes a lot less energy to to be negative or to crap on something. Like it's a lot easier to go, nope, sucks, or, or you know, wh- what's easier, crafting a really, really intelligent joke or going, huh, Trump, you know what I mean? Like what's yeah. easier, yeah. you know, and it's easier to crap on things regardless of whether or not they deserve it and, and not think it out. I don't know. I think it's just because and, people are lazy.
2: Yep. And you're going to get more of a reaction when you, when you have hot takes as opposed to a well a well put together thought or a well put together critique. People love hot takes. It's, it's easy. It's you know. It's it's digestible. You know, it, it gets it gets people's attention because you know it, it it puts everything on front street without any additional context. It's just hey, this.
3: That's a good point. Yeah, and that's it's, that, that's a real that's a hot take yeah. right
1: there. <laughs> it's, a hot, it's a hot take about a hot take about hot takes.
2: Uh, <laughs> um, I didn't. I mean, and, and maybe it's my maybe it's just my social media timeline because I didn't I. Just personally, I didn't see any of the criticism about Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, at least not from the trailer. Uh, I saw a lot of it when when people found out he was being hired for the part. Like it was kind. Of, I saw a lot of the same uh, jokes and whatnot that people had when Heath Ledger first got uh, uh, hired to um, play Joker. But once the once the trailer came out, like I, I thought the trailer looked pretty awesome. It actually it actually made me a bit more interested in this film and i mean at least from my social media it seemed like other people were very interested to see okay this looks kind of cool like this, this trailer was kind of well put together okay maybe i'll check out this movie now and see if it's, if it's you know worth anything
1: yeah i mean i just i, I like good movies you know but yeah. the, the funny thing about it is as i like bad movies too like it's i'm i'm such an easy critic. Like very rarely do you ever see me say, "I'm not gonna go see this remake," or "I don't want to see this. This looks dumb." Like I'll give anything a chance for the most part, and because of that, I find a lot of hidden gems. And I'll and I'll do a quick um, homage to our, our buddy James Rambo, uh, who can't join us. He just started a new job. He'll be uh, we're working out his schedule, and he'll be coming back with us at some point here in the near future. But he always talks about don't watch crappy media. Well. Uh, I ended up watching a movie on uh, Face uh, on Facebook. I, I watched a movie on Netflix with my son called Next Gen, which really I hadn't heard anything about it. I didn't know anything about it beforehand. I went into this completely blind, and at the end of it, my son said, "That's one of the best movies I've ever seen, Dad." And we both walked away from it really enjoying it. It was it was fun. It was the animation was incredible. It has a great story. Like and I mean, and it's about robots in the future you know, blowing stuff up. I mean, how can you go wrong with that?
3: Right. Yeah. And how it, similar is it to big hero six? Cause it certainly looks that way from the trailers I've seen on YouTube.
1: So take big hero six, take the iron giant, take, um, meet the Robinsons, the Disney movie and kind of smash them all together, but give it its own unique kind of story concept. It, it's very similar to all of those things. Like most movies and TV made for a younger audience they're all derivative in some way but they all have their own unique message and this one does that and <laughs> it was it was really enjoyable and John Krasinski is the voice of the um the like one of the main the main character the main robot um was 7337 and he was it, like it was it was great it was like hearing Jim halpern
3: uh talking the whole time so it was kind of fun um yeah, we need I to mean, find a topic with Pam because we've gotten Dwight and Jim in the show so far. I know. I so we need know. to find something for Pam to do. Maybe Michael Scott, we can get the whole cast in here. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> um, Oscar's currently acting as a State Farm agent in commercials. <laughs> They're all still around. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just it's – a, it's a really, really good flick. It's definitely worth checking out. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It, it, Krasinski's character in uh, the movie is uh, Project 77 is his name. Um but yeah, just, and it was, that was, if I had one critique, that was the one thing that I would critique is that it was very unclear what his name was. Like none of, like my son and I both looked at each other and were like, what's the robot's name again? And he's like, I don't know. And I was like, yeah, me neither. Like it wasn't very clear, but, um, project 77, he's in it. He does a voice. Jason Sudeikis does a voice. Michael Pena does a voice. David Cross does a voice. Like it's, it's just an overall well put together movie. Um, and, and worth your time and for kids or not for kids, like whatever. It's, it's just, it's enjoyable. So definitely check you it out. You know
3: what I thought was a good movie? What's that? Thor Ragnarok. Ooh, nice I time. I thought that was Ooh. a pretty good, well-put-together movie. Yeah. Um, and I think there was a standout star in that movie. Yeah. We're not I... talking about Hella. Oh, nope. No. We're not talking about uh, Executioner. I okay. think we're all talking about Korg. Korg. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Best Marvel character, period. There's my hot take. <laughs> Boom. Back. Back. You can take Take it to the bank. Fact. Um,
2: Hashtag fact.
3: <laughs> Come at me, Marvel fans. Uh, but the <laughs> the only little tidbit here, and then we'll move on to like ne- this week's geek sheets. But uh, the director Taika Waititi, who who directed Thor Ragnarok, and God, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, um, you're good because Ragnarok is a hard <laughs> word to say. Uh, so the he w- the, the director he was actually the voice of Korg, and um. Fans of Korg uh, got pretty excited because we talked... It was two weeks ago we talked about the reshoots, right? How uh, mm-hmm. Avengers 4 is yeah, doing the...
1: Mark Ruffalo. The reshoots, about them,
3: yeah. they're, Exactly, they're kind of piecing that all together uh, at the end there. And Taika like Waititi, not directing, not necessarily doing anything specific for Avengers 4, was seen with the cast in the area where they were doing the reshoots, so people are freaking out, thinking that there's going to be some Korg up in Avengers 4, which uh, I'm completely fine with. I, w- I would watch a Korg movie Absolutely. today. I just,
1: he, I'm okay with it. Like, he was fun. He was funny. Like, he was he was kind of a breath of fresh air in a way where it was just like, I don't know who this dude is. I've never heard of him before. And he was funny. And he was unique. And I was like, all right, this is, this is cool. I, I, and I'm. I'm never going to, I mean, it would be really kind of a dick move for me to just give you this big speech about how like, you know, everybody needs to chill and let things just happen and, and see if it's good yeah. and be like, I don't like this core guy. I feel like it was forced on us. Um, no, like I, I, it was fun. And, um, I'm interested to see how they're going to do that. Cause I was pretty sure that core got killed with everybody else on that giant ship in the beginning of infinity war. But yeah. I mean, Hey, whatever, man, let, let's see how it goes. Let's, let's see where they're going with this.
2: Um, yeah, you kind of said everything I was I was gonna I was gonna say. I mean, yep. the only thing I, I really I'd really add is I think you know the only the only role I can really see for him in four is you know because we know Avengers four is gonna deal with time travel. So like my my guess is that that's that's probably the only role he's gonna have. And I, I don't even know if it's gonna be a particularly big role. I mean, I'd be fine with whatever role they give him, but. I I don't I don't I don't know. I, I just don't see him having a big role. I think he'll be good in whatever they decide to do with him.
3: Yeah, uh, I think it. you're I think you're probably pretty on point there that it, it would be a, a cameo, you know, if yeah. anything. And I'm probably just biased because I find like New Zealanders hilarious, like the, the the comedians. Like his movie What We Do in the Shadows is amazing. If you've not seen it, you need to stop everything and go watch it film. I'll have to check it out. Um Dude, it's yeah. it's a it's a mockumentary about vampires where it's like three roommate vampires that are of like different like eras. So there's like a, like a more recent one and there's like a Victorian era one. And there's some like gross, like Nosferatu, like old man one that like lives in the basement. And it's just them like being filmed for this mockumentary. It's the, the idea is preposterous, but um, I don't know. I just find the whole thing hilarious. And I find his accent, the way he says things very funny.
1: He says words funny and it makes me (laughs) laugh I was
3: like, that's super funny
1: (laughs) I don't even know what he's saying half the time Man, that guy's hilarious Um, (laughs) I want to, um, because we still haven't gotten uh, Yuli on He's probably running behind a little bit But that's okay What I want to do I do want to do the second um, Geek Sheets But before we get into that uh, Marcus, you are at Baltimore Comic Con Yes, I am I want to hear a little bit about what you've seen uh, so far Because today was the first day um, have you, have you seen anything really awesome? I mean, have you run across anything cool that's going on there? If anybody is in driving distance or if you got big baller money and you can fly out to Baltimore, is there any reason why they specifically need to drop in and see this particular comic con?
2: Um, well, uh, I'll start by saying this. Do you remember the old, uh, Roadrunner and Wildy Coyote cartoons?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I love those yeah. as a kid. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So there are about the same amount of people as you see in that, as you, as we're at the con today, like convention center was very empty. There were not a lot of people
1: (laughs) there at all. There's one singular bird running from a weird coyote who has apparently unlimited resources to buy any death and murder product. He can.
2: Exactly. (laughs) No, but uh, (laughs) uh, I mean, I got to the con a little bit late after it started, but I mean, there there really wasn't much of, of anything going on. I, I was actually pretty surprised because, you know, uh, this is my fir- first time attending Baltimore Comic Con. And, you know, my friends who have attended Comic Con before always made it seem like, you know, Baltimore Comic Con is like this great event. Like, you know, when Odecon was up here, like Odecon would take over the harbor. But then only like a few weeks later, Comic Con would, re- you know, what would happen and they retake over the harbor. And I, I've never been up here to check it out. So I was, I was actually very taken aback today when, when I showed up and, you know, I could, there were, like, it seemed like there were maybe 50 people there in total, if that. Yeah. It, it, it was a bit surprising. Um, the thing, but even with the, the, the poor attendance today, uh, I did attend a really interesting panel on uh, punching Nazis.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's always uh, important.
2: Exactly, and actually, uh, this this is actually something that I, I thought would be a fun question to ask you guys because I'm unfamiliar with the comics. But the panel was actually talking about various comic book moments where they where various heroes, uh, you know, fought or attacked Nazis. So actually, before I you know talk the rest about this con, uh, I actually do want to ask you guys: Do you guys have any favorite moments with you know heroes taking on Nazis? I always go old
1: school with this and think of my first movie that I saw, where a hero punched a Nazi, and that would be um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And like when he fights that giant German dude with the plane in the background, like, and the plane's like spinning around, and they're fighting, and he's just getting his ass kicked, and the plane chops the dude to pieces, like that. That I mean, you can't go wrong with that.
3: (laughs) My favorite Marvel character is captain america so obviously his history is ripe with nazi face blastings um but there was a time when me and my now wife at the time we were just dating and it was my birthday and i told her like what characters i liked and everything like that and she got me the graphic novel invaders now and invaders was the original you know like 1940s marvel you know, international team of Nazi punchers. So it had like the original human torch, Bucky as a little kid, Captain America, Namor, Spitfire, that kind of stuff. And, um, they did like a relaunch of it. It was like a graphic novel. It was a four issue limited series. I got the, she got me the graphic novel or the trade paperback, depending on what type of person you are. And, um, that one was always real fun. Cause it brought back a lot of different, um, like classic ones, but it was in a more modern setting. So it had more of, like, the the modern-day, like, Nazi superheroes. Um, yeah, so that one's that one's kind of fun if you're looking for just, like, a short, um, like, uh, is it four or five issues? It might be five, actually. Not that it matters. Um, <laughs> but, like, they end up, like, fighting each other, and then they have to fight, you know, these the zombie people, and... Shumagoroth shows up. It's a whole thing, but it's uh, it's really good. Um, and it, and they and they keep you know blasting back and forth where they're fighting like Human and Mister Man or Master Man, Iron Cross. They're like old evil Avengers, but they're all Nazis. It's kind of cool. That does sound
2: pretty dope. Which um, which yours, yeah. man? Oh, I I I don't have one. You <laughs> you know I'm like terrible with comics. I, yeah. I don't have one.
1: Like, uh, can I can I also give a um. A uh, an honorable mention, Um, sure the the nameless African American dude who punched Richard Spencer in the face.
2: Oh yeah, in DC.
1: Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a hero. So like that was that's still like one of my favorite things. And like when people are like, (laughs) "We should never be promoting violence." Nah, dude, that was dope. He's just like, actually, I'm not a Nazi. I'm an alt right. Bam, right in the face. It was awesome. Funny thing is that that
2: that that actually kind of came up in the panel too. Like. I actually found myself very much disagreeing with the uh, with the host of the panel. Really, because he was he was one of those yeah because he was he was one of those guys that that seemed to kind of uh, equate like not uh, the neo Nazis and Antifa to be like the same kind of people. And so, oh Jesus! Like, it, it just yeah, it it just it just it really rubbed me it really rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, a lot of the language, just a lot of the language used, like it, it really came off like he's one like he was just one of these folks that is like, oh, you know, the world is too politically correct. You know, we calling calling these people Nazis is doing a disservice to actual Nazis and people who are victims of them. And a bunch of other mess. but well, yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't a particular fan. I wasn't a big fan of the panel at all.
1: yeah, I but
2: mean... fortunately, fortunately, tomorrow, and Sunday, there is a slew of stuff that I'm excited to check out tomorrow, and I'm going to be getting there early because there because there's so many people who I want to see. So uh, Mike, you actually, uh, one of the guys who's going to be there tomorrow, you actually did a review of season two of his show, and that's Mike Coulter, also what? known as Luke Cage, is hosting a panel tomorrow.
1: If you can get so, him if you could get him to be like hey this is Mike Coulter and you're listening to GGR uh, or you're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Oh my god, seriously. Like or even dude, if you I'm if you could just get him to just be like sweet christmas.
2: <laughs> I'm going to try. I mean I'm I'm planning to get there like an hour and a yeah. half early to try to get in Nice. to try to get in his. Um, but be even even
3: dude is popular as hell. Oh yeah.
2: True, and and he's not he's not he's not only the uh, only big name that's going to be there tomorrow. Actually, there's a, a woman who's, who's hosting a panel right before him, uh, Katrina Law, who you guys may know as Nissa Al Ghul on Arrow. Oh, she's gonna be she's gonna be there tomorrow. She's hosting her panel actually right before Mike culture's panel. So I'm gonna try to get there for that as well. Uh, there's another guy who has a very big superhero movie coming out next year. Uh, I believe we talked about him a couple weeks ago. Uh, you may know him as Zachary Levi, who will be playing Shazam. Oh snap! He's going to be. There. He's also going to be there uh, hosting uh, hosting stuff tomorrow. There's also a Shazam panel uh, tomorrow as well. I, I'm not sure if he's on that, but there's a there's a couple there's a couple others who are going to be there. I mean, there's there's just a whole slew of things that are going to be taking place tomorrow. Like those are just the big some of the big names um, that, are to, that are going to be there. Actually, you guys might be interested in one of the other names I saw, uh, Will Wheaton.
1: Oh, yeah. Now, I would be interested in him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <For> <laughs> He's sure.
2: also going to be uh, hosting a panel sometime tomorrow. But like, I'm, I'm just looking over the guide for, for uh, tomorrow and Sunday. And, I mean, there's just, there's just a slew of things, this diversity panel. Uh, there's a, a Frank Miller Spotlight going to be taking place tomorrow
3: Ooh, that'd be a good one to go to yeah
2: yeah i'm i'm, plan- I'm planning to like my, my schedule for tomorrow starts at 11 and ends at 7 like i don't have much of a break in between and stuff i'm trying to run between the things yeah um, but yeah there's, there's there's a whole there's a boatload of boatload of things and like this isn't even taking into account like the artist alley or the, the dealer's room uh these are just the, the some of the programming that they that they have so Yeah, uh, there wasn't much going on today, but absolutely, you know, when I do my review of everything and I have photos, I'm going to absolutely try to have as much content from tomorrow and Sunday as I can.
3: So I'm not a big like I haven't been to I've been to like maybe two comic cons or whatever for someone who doesn't go often. If I was going to go to one, what do you personally recommend trying to spend more time on actually interacting with like the vendors looking for, for products and, and, you know, trying to get some signings or hitting up those kind of panels where you're, you're just more of an audience member, like which one do you find to be more worth the time when you're there?
2: I guess it, dep- I guess it depends on what your area of, of fandom is. I mean, the, the, the great thing with these conventions is that it gives you an opportunity to have like the, the one-on-one interaction with these stars that you, you know, obviously don't get to interact with at all. Like when, when me and Mike went to AwesomeCon, like it was, it was dope being able to sit in the panel with Cress Williams and hear like people, even though we didn't ask questions, but you could tell people were excited to come up to the mic and be able to actually just interact with him and ask him questions about uh, not only Black Lightning, but some of his other work uh, previously. So I I think, you know, going to the panels is definitely beneficial because they're very informative. And, I mean, you get an opportunity to to interact with people that you generally, you know, don't get to interact with because, you know, they're larger than life stars. But I don't want to discount going to, you know, the the artist alley and the dealer's room and whatnot and interacting with vendors because that's how you find out about, you know, kind of the the cool stuff that maybe not, not everyone knows about. You know, you get to, you know learn and find new comics new you know new new shows new stuff that people are working on like it you can find a, a boatload of, of things there as well uh, stuff that you generally might not find at other conventions because sometimes vendors have things that are convention specific um, I can actually point to Marcus Williams who uh, is the uh, he's the animator for uh, the Tuskegee airs comic and that's something he's been doing for a couple of years at every time he goes to every every time he goes to, he creates artwork while sitting at the table that's specific to um, that convention. And he never recreates it at other th- at the other events he goes to. So if you go up to him and you you know interact with him and, and buy stuff like there's a chance you're going to end up buying something that's a one of a kind and won't be found anywhere else. So it really depends on, you know, kind of what you're, you know, what you're looking for. Like I, I try to divide my time equally between both finding panels that I'm interested in, but then when, when I, when I, you know, I kind of have like a couple minutes of free time, just going through and, and browsing, you know, through the aisles and seeing what I can find. Cause you know, you never know what you're going to run into.
1: Yeah. I mean, nice. I would, I would tend to agree too. like, it's, I've gotten to see it from like three different perspectives. Now I got to saw, uh, see it as a vendor, when we were doing Ethan stone. Um, so I got to sell comic books and I got to talk to people and that honestly, that's probably my favorite because, and you know, call me a narcissist, but I just love when people (laughs) want to talk to me about the thing that I created. (laughs) So it's like, Whoa, Mike, what's Ethan stone? I, I don't have any copies to sell anybody right now. Um, honestly, it's, it's the comic, it's, it's the comic book that myself and my buddy Ben Shaw created. Um, if you want a digital copy, let me know. I'll send you one. I'll email it to you for free. And then if I can find some in my house somewhere, because um, it's tucked in a box somewhere like the Ark of the Covenant was, um, I'll, I'll send you a copy in the mail too. Like it's it, it take um, a imagine if a film noir like detective book was put into comic book style, but then also too the guy is kind of breaking the fourth wall and realizes how ridiculous some of the things is that he's doing. And it's really just an act um, that he's putting on for everybody. But on top of that, um, it's like the Ghostbusters meet Indiana Jones meets Supernatural kind of all smashed into one. Um, I, I really enjoy writing it. It's probably one of my, one of my favorite things to write. In fact, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. I'm working on a novel for it because art has been at a premium to come by for the book. So I'm actually going to take the remaining scripts that I have for Ethan Stone PI. And I'm going to turn it into a book, um, which hopefully you will be seeing available for purchase sometime soon. Um, but I'm, it's one of 9 million projects I'm working on between that and um, stop me if you've heard this and occasionally doing stuff for rock deep, rogue radio and writing articles for the website and working on GGR pirate radio and having a kid and
0: all. when that. do you have time to sleep?
1: Yeah. I, I actually don't. Um, I am a robot. Um, it's something that I've been wanting to tell the public for a while. Um, I, no, I always
0: <laughs> suspected
1: that son yep. of a, that robot son of a bitch. Um, no, I mean honestly, like I've ever since I was in the military, I normally function off about. Sp- five to six hours of sleep. And I'm normally up until about two or three o'clock in the morning, either writing or editing podcasts or doing something
0: because five to six hours is pretty good. Actually. Right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> like I hear most people, they're like, they're like, Oh, I get about eight hours of sleep. And I'm like, you do.
0: How do you, do you that's a lot I've been of sleep, averaging man. about four.
1: <laughs> well, that's because that's because you, you want, you're like, when do you sleep? Mr. I have a radio show and I'm on TV and Oh, if you turn on showtime, I'm on there too. And I have my own TV show and I have a, uh, website like ulysses campbell has no room to talk about like when do you sleep i like,
0: uh, yeah i'm an idiot <laughs> hey, don't be
1: like me by, <laughs> by the way welcome to the show Yuli. thanks for joining us man
0: <laughs> thanks well you know and it's funny because my wife was like oh you know y- you could have waited until after you did the podcast i'm like no really i couldn't <laughs> i really couldn't no, say i should have been more attentive to my wife's needs <clears throat> yesterday, I didn't realize that, uh, cause she's been sick. And so I had oh, to go Oh, thank God. I didn't know
3: where this was going. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. No, no. She, yeah. Yeah. I, it's so like, I had emailed, listen to me, I, I texted Mike, but nobody else knew. No, she's been sick for a couple of days and I had to go to the pharmacy and I should have asked her about that like earlier today or even yesterday, but, uh, I didn't ask her about it until like seven. And, uh, you know, cause my wife is tough. She's from Texas. <laughs> and it's like you know well, take on, medicine, what are you kidding? <laughs> honestly,
1: man, you did what any of us would have done, and you did the you did the right thing you're you're a good man for for making making sure that uh the the queen is taken care of first, so always All a right. good choice, happy
3: wife, happy life this is
1: uh, the,
0: as is the, the expression goes, and that's no joke <laughs> this is
1: the truth um so yeah, yuli you missed us um we were talking about um Marcus is actually. Uh, giving us a little rundown on some of the stuff that's happening at BaltimoreCon because he is our correspondent uh, at the uh, at the Charm City uh, establishment that they do every single year uh, there at the Baltimore oh. Convention Center. Um, you were he was saying that he's going to be seeing Mike Coulter uh, from Luke Cage tomorrow, uh, but then also, um, and I forgot the other the name of the actress that you're going to see too as well at a panel. Uh, oh.
2: Katrina Law, uh, Nissa Al Ghul from Arrow.
0: Oh, okay. Hey, did you see um, what's his face today? Uh, the guy who's playing Shazam.
2: No, i I missed him. I missed him today. I got to the I got to the convention a little bit late, but he's he's doing something uh, on Sunday. I mean, there's a Shazam panel tomorrow, so I'm thinking he'll probably show up for that, even though he's not listed. But uh, he's doing something on Sunday that I'm, I'm going to check out before I get out of here.
0: Okay, I thought today was like his only day there, but, um, you know. Clearly, I am mistaken. So that's good. Because I'm really looking forward to that Shazam thing.
1: Absolutely. Are you going to be at Baltimore Comic Con as well, Yuli?
0: I am not. Okay. I am not. In fact, the other convention that's in town this weekend is um, Capclave.
1: Yes. Uh, Yeah. Where is is that one?
0: Capclave is uh, over at the Hilton in Rockville, over on Rockville Pike. And that's run by the... um, Oh goodness! Uh, Washington science fiction writers. Yeah, uh, something like that. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't realize there was another con. Like I'm completely out of the loop. I, I wouldn't be able to go anyways. I have a an engagement this Sunday, um, so I wish I could go to these things, but I can't. But this is why M- MC Brooks is taking care of it for me. So <laughs> <laughs> I
0: appreciate that. There you go. It. You got to have your person on the scene there. You know. Exactly, Absolutely. exactly.
1: So guys, yeah. if, if we're ready, we can go ahead and jump in to um, part two of the Geek Sheets. Now, Yuli, I wanted to give you a chance real quick here, because I know you're a big Star Trek fan. Uh, in fact, of any of us, you would be the OG Star Trek fan. Um, from what they're announced, did you ever watch, oh, did you get to watch yeah. any of uh, Discovery?
0: The, um, it, Ryan Wilson. You know something? I have not seen, it's funny, because I I was was when I was looking at the Geek Sheets, uh, I... I I saw that, and I had to laugh because, in a lot of ways, um, well, all right, I have not. alright, <laughs> let me just. Go, I have not seen anything but the first forty minutes of the first episode of Star Trek: Discovery because they put it on uh, CBS, and but there was like an NFL overrun or some such thing, and so it started late. Um, my DVR did not know that the thing started late. It recorded one hour, and so I only got like the first forty minutes of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, I have not gotten CBS All Access to be able to watch it. The fact that they put it on this pay service has absolutely thwarted me. You know, I, I'm I, I I do not want to pay for CBS All Access to watch this one show, even though. I would, well, The Good Wife isn't on. Actually, I think it's The Good Fight now, but I would probably watch that if I had the service, but I don't want to pay for it. So I haven't seen any of it. But I understand Ryan Wilson has done a very good turn in the role of Roger C. Mudd, which was, orig- sorry, uh, um, Harry Mudd, which is originated by Roger C. Carmel.
1: He's he's a good And in, in fact, um, Steve, I got to give you props, buddy. Um, your part in the article where you have the time loop in the article, like made me laugh. Oh, yeah. I laughed out loud when I was reading that at work, and I was, I was like, "That's well done, Steve. Well done." <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's, it's worth. I, I enjoyed it, Yuli. But I'm also, I'm pretty open to just about anything they'll do. Like I, I'm not gonna really nitpick about anything. Um, when it comes to, these well, if I didn't have
0: to pay for it, I'd be there, well, <laughs> you know, it's the whole, or oh, you want me to fricking pay for this CBS all access to watch this. Hey. Yeah, I don't think so. Of course. Well, and the other thing that I was just going to say, which is sort of, it's an interesting aside because, uh, my, well, I'm not so much anymore because I got kids who were actually leaving home, but my household is, uh, one that the major comic company should study. Uh, It's part of their problem right now, because Mm -hmm. comics readership, you know, in terms of the actual printed comics that come out monthly, has been declining for a number of years. And um, now I am someone who has been a regular comics reader uh, since I was young. I have two children uh, who have not been regular comics readers. And so I had always thought, I said, you know, it, it would be interesting to study this household and figure out why this guy who has been a regular comic reader for decades has two kids who don't read comics. I mean, you know, if if my son was buying them off and on, uh, my daughter, you know, if there was something I brought home, you know, she might read it. She's uh, dabbled in it or whatever. But neither one of them has been uh, a, a regular buyer and reader of comic books. And I'm just, I'm sort of curious because one would think that this is something that you pass on, although, I don't know, maybe in this day and age when there's so many different outlets for kids and areas for entertainment, I mean, behind the video games and sports and every other kind of thing, you know, maybe it's uh, not as natural for uh, comics readership to be passed on in the same way that it might have been years ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's... I'm curious too. I mean, I think that it's just because there's so many other ways to digest the media. I mean, you have outlets. I'm wondering if they count that in the um, if they count like things like uh, Comixology, which is a, a web-based version of essentially getting your weekly comics. You can you can download comics directly to your phone and read them there. I'm wondering if they're taking digital viewership into consideration with this at all when they're saying that sales are down. I I don't even know if that makes any sort of difference whatsoever Um, or if they're counting that and they're saying still people are still not reading this, but I think that that's part of it too, because I'm wondering if regular book sales for that matter are down because now we have things like um, the, um, the, what's the Amazon thing? The little tablet that they have called oh Kindle. Yeah. Like the Kindle or um, Barnes and Noble has one too. Like all of these, all of these different companies have ways to digest media digitally now. And right. I'm wondering if that's taking a hit on the old school uh, brick and mortar stores as well.
0: Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah, I'm sure it is. And, uh, but the, as far as the, t- the statistic that I mentioned, um, that is just sales of print comics. Um, digital, uh, digital is a whole nother thing. And I don't know, I don't know that digital, i'm not familiar enough with the with the figures Uh, i suppose uh, i need to talk to uh, chip Mosier from comiXology yeah uh, has been telling me that he's gonna come on my show for some time now and uh, in fact even the last time i saw him two weeks ago um know, he was like yeah yeah we're gonna do it we're gonna do it so i'm gonna follow up with him because he's one of the people who could actually speak intelligently about this and would have access to uh, to some of the figures yeah um I mean, I can tell you that I was... I mean, reading a comic book, I've always considered to be a tactile experience. I want to hold it. I, I want to smell the... Well, back when it was newsprint, yeah. I like smelling the newsprint and yeah. turning the pages. I mean, I still like turning the pages and all that. It's all... I mean, they're real slick now. It's all on the paper they're printing the covers on and this kind of thing. The, yeah. the transfer is better. The colors are better and all that. But they're so much more expensive. I mean, when I, when I first started buying comic books they were 20 cents each, you know? I mean, just to show you, you talk about I'm OG. I'm OG a lot of stuff, man. OG <laughs> Star Trek reader, OG comic book reader. And um, I've got friends who were buying them when they were 12 cents and 15 cents. I wasn't quite there. Yeah. But, um, you know, I mean, you know, 20 cents, geez, you buy five comic books for a dollar. Now, I mean, comics are like four ninety nine. I mean, it's crazy. I think that's part of it. But um, it, I was totally against the whole digital thing, but... Uh, there was a point where, uh, at least Marvel Comics, when you bought a print comic, you got a free digital download. And so, just out of curiosity, I I did the download, and I read a couple of comics digitally. And it was fun. I mean, it was it wasn't as bad an experience as I had feared, you know? I mean, yeah. it takes you from panel to panel. You can go back pretty easily. You know, you can blow it up. I mean, it, it's it's it wasn't really that bad. Um, you know, you have to you have to be prepared to do it. I mean, I was actually reading them on my phone, yeah. uh, which wasn't the best uh, platform to do it. I think you're better off if you have a, a tablet or you know something like that. But um, you know, I I just uh, I don't know how well this particular. ...form of entertainment is going to translate broadly. I mean, comics as a medium will never go away. I mean, sequential storytelling. But the superhero... I mean, historically, comics have gone through these cycles. It'll be horror comics are popular or war comics or romance comics or something like that. And the superhero uh, popularity just never waned, really. And it, it was a little unusual. I mean, these other genres you know, had their peaks and valleys. And I guess even the superhero comics during the 50s when you had the whole uh, scam of Dr. Frederick Wurtum and the seduction of the innocent and, you know, the, uh, the, the hearings before the uh, Senate panels on uh, juvenile delinquency and this kind of thing. And, of course, uh, as it turned out, this uh, psychiatrist, Frederick Wurtum, had falsified all of his uh, results uh, of his studies. And comic books did not genuinely lead to juvenile delinquency. But this is what people thought. And that sort of put a, uh, a damper on the whole industry. And a lot of people got blackballed and lost their jobs and all that. But, um, you so know, with... from. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, you know, today, with comics being more raw material, and uh, you have the television shows and the movies and the cartoons... Uh, you know it's still around and still available to be consumed, but it's being consumed a different way than it was when it was just available uh, in reading the comic books.
1: Yeah, and like um, we we lost um, MC Brooks for just a second, um, but he's going to be jo- uh, coming back on. He actually has uh, some articles on the on the book sales too, so he's going to be talking about that
2: uh, oh, when cool. he
1: when he jumps back on. But. um yeah, I mean, as as somebody who's who's experienced this too, a lot of artists are, live in the di- digital realm now. So their work that they're doing is digital by nature. So for them to go from digital to a digital medium is, is one, it's easier for them, but two, um, and that's what they're working with. So to yes. go from digital to print is is fine because honestly, as somebody who has who works with this stuff, but also just appreciates art. I I enjoy the tactile feel of it, too. And going back to books, as somebody who wants to be a writer, I love the feel of a book. I'm I'm the same way. The smell of a book, like, it it has a distinct smell. And there's something about, like, I I joked about it um, on GGR when I wrote an article about it. And I said that, like, you can, it's just like being on your phone. You can ignore people. But if you're reading a book, they think you're smart. So this is why you should read (laughs) books more often. Um, It's... I'm I'm also So yeah, there we go. Okay, so he's actually saying as of 2017, physical books are outperforming digital copies even though digital copies are cheaper, and it appears that comicsology isn't included in comic sales. So there you go, uh, Marcus just messes that. I guess he lost internet. He's he's at you know he's at Baltimore Comic Con, so I can understand where uh, there yeah, might be some bandwidth been, issues. Yeah. yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. So so yeah, Marcus, if you can join us later, man, it's cool. If not, buddy, you you have fun at con, man. You don't have to join. Oh, look, he's back. Look at that. As I'm telling him, you don't have to come <laughs> back, man. Enjoy <laughs> enjoy Comic Con. You don't have to jump back on. Um, yeah. But, yeah, hey, thanks for jumping back on. I was just saying, Marcus, that you didn't have to join us. You could you could go enjoy the con, man. Like, well, it's cool.
2: Hey. Uh, the the con, I mean, the the the, it ends at seven, so I didn't have anything to do after.
3: Oh, okay. But, All
2: right.
3: <laughs> Mike, I wanted to ask you, you just brought up, like, digital. Um, Our former guest, Steve Conley, who does yeah. the Middle Age, the yeah. webcomic, does he do that digitally?
1: As, as far as I know, yes. I, I think it's a blend. And that's actually yeah, something he
0: also makes that available because uh, they're, they're collected editions. It's yeah. a trade paperback. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then Steve Connolly does a whole bunch of other, uh, project. I mean, that, that's his creed. Well, one of his creator owned things, Yeah. but he also does a lot of other work.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Like we, we had him, we had him on the show, Yuli, and like, he's, um, he's actually, I met him through Ben Shaw, um, and, like, oh, yeah. and Ben and him have a very similar style in the sense that they'll they'll do kind of a, a blend of both physical and digital work. So, like, for instance, they'll start with, like, their sketch that they have physically. Then they'll scan it in and clean it up in a digital medium. So mm-hmm. very rarely do you see everything digital or everything by hand. It's it's a lot of times now they're doing a, a mashup of the two. And being able to get a level of clarity and a little level of crispness that they weren't able to do just by doing it by hand. So it's kind of a, it's a neat process to watch.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Steve's a heck of a guy. I mean, I know him, and yeah. uh, he's a heck of a guy, a heck of a nice guy, and very, very talented artist. Oh yeah, for um, sure. You know, somebody who and he's out there hustling, man. You know, I mean, <laughs> he's, he's hustling. You you got to really be after it if uh, if you're going to make it in in this industry today. And, uh, you know, he's he's very tenacious uh, about everything that he does.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and his his book, The Middle Age, which we're going to push again. Um, check it out. Like, look him up. It's Steve Connolly. The book is The Middle Age. It is incredibly funny. It's really well-drawn. It's a lot of fun. And, it, honestly, it's something that anybody can enjoy. Like, so whether you're an adult or whether you're a kid, you can pick it up and you can really enjoy it. Um, my son actually has taken to it and has been reading through the stuff that i have because I, I bought a copy of it um, that's great and, and Jax has really enjoyed it too so
0: make sure you catch our second episode of the geek sheets available on ggr pirate radio or the geek sheet podcast on itunes or the google play music store